Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And though we've been having the time of our lives revisiting <laughs> some of our favorite guests, we wanted to make sure to set aside a mid-season episode to have just the pals on. That's right. Yes. And this turned out to be the perfect one because I hadn't realized this. But Caleb, who always just knows everything, he's just so good about research, it's the 100th episode. It is indeed. (laughs) It also made me realize that we totally failed to (laughs) recognize our 100th episode. Oh, yeah. Which, because of the movie podcast and the Friday Night at the Luncheonette podcast. Yeah. Our 100th podcast episode was two episodes ago, 608. Wow. I'm not including our little trailer. (laughs) (laughs) If we were, then I guess it would have been 607. I liked our little trailer, but yeah, that's true. It was like a minute (laughs) long and... (laughs) Yeah, it's not an episode. No, no. So Retro, happy 102nd episode to us. Yay! And happy 100th episode to Parenthood. Man, it's a big deal on both fronts. Like, probably bigger for them. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but selfishly, I personally feel like this is bigger, you know? Like, it's, it's cool to have a project and, and commit to it for the whole time, you know? A lot of times people start stuff, they don't finish stuff. Knock on wood, I mean, we haven't finished yet. But we at least got 102 episodes. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when you consider that, I think on average, our episodes are probably like two hours. Yeah. We have 200 hours of content on the internet. Amazing. I mean, I don't know who's interested, but it's there. <laughs> it's there. Yeah. Yeah. And And I mean, I already sometimes think about like, the future and giving it a re-listen just to feel nostalgic about this time. And that feels sort of funny to know like, oh, we are currently doing something that will make me nostalgic later. Yeah. 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 How do we get here? How? 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 Oh, (laughs) well, that just so happens to be the title of Parenthood Season 6, Episode 10. Expertly done. How did we get here? Expertly done. (laughs) It was written by Jason Kadams, directed by Michael Weaver. It originally aired on January 8th, 2015. We're in a new year now. Oh, wow. There it is. And here is the TV Guide synopsis. Oh, and this is this is great. See if you can spot <laughs> okay. the small inaccuracy Fun. in this synopsis. Okay, I'm listening. Zeke's taken to the hospital and his family gathers near him, anxiously awaiting news. However, Adam and Crosby must leave to tend to a crisis at their restaurant. And Joel, <laughs> that Melissa's head cocked swiftly I've, to the side. I've spotted it. We'll we'll talk about it after you finish. <laughs> and Joel lets Julia lean on him, complicating their confusing relationship even more. Uh, do you think the person who wrote this doesn't watch the show and they're like, what? It's called The Luncheonette. Clearly it's a restaurant. Perhaps. Yeah, I don't know. Wasn't Roseanne's restaurant called The Lunchbox? I never really watched Roseanne. I never really did either, but I think it was. Yeah. I could ask Mark sometime because he loved Roseanne. My mom oh. didn't let me watch it. She had weird like <laughs> boundaries on certain TV shows. And I think she thought Roseanne and everyone on the show was like rude. And and uh, now I feel oh. like I've missed an important cultural touchstone because if my tiny little kid brain could have said to her, but it's an important study on class. And, you know, like, 
Maybe she would have been like, you're right. <laughs> but, you know, n- no. Or maybe she would have been like, but they don't have any class. No, she probably oh. would That sounds like her. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, back to a show with very polite people. That's right. Mm. Nah, mostly. <laughs> mostly. As you said, it's the 100th episode. And I thought for a show constantly on the bubble... It's especially significant that this series made it to this point. Yeah. And I even wondered, do you think the title was a wink? <laughs> at their one, like, how did we make it? I like that. I hope so. That's, that's yeah. fun. As we mentioned in the pilot episode, two of the Parenthood actors had reached this milestone on previous series. Lauren Graham was in 154 episodes of Gilmore Girls. And Craig T. Nelson was in 199 episodes of Coach. Oh, my gosh. Do you think he was like, if we had just done one more, it would have been 200? Right? I mean, I don't know what you get, but a but, cake at least. Yeah. I would have wanted that 200 episode cake. Um. <laughs> if anyone's interested, there are plenty of videos on YouTube showing the celebration of Parenthood's 100th episode where they have a cake and like, the kids cut it and stuff. Well, that's cute. They do little interviews and it's nice. I did think it was strange that, like, the kids were at the celebration, even though they weren't in the episode. That's true. (laughs) But. Yeah, well, maybe next time we hang out, we should watch some of that stuff. That sounds fun. Yeah. And have a cake. And have a cake. Yes. (laughs) Yes, that's. It's a it's a plan. I don't know when, but next time one of us is in the other one's state, that's going to happen. Yes. Yes. Oh, your sister, Jay, asked us what we were going to do to celebrate the end of our podcast. Maybe that. I, I guess we just decided. We just decided. Cake. Cake. <laughs> so. Well, yes, I mentioned for our roll call. There are no little Braverman grandkids in this episode. So no Max, no Victor, no Sydney, no Jabbar and no babies. But no. I don't think they really count. But yeah, yeah, they're not in it. Who's taking care of them? Don't know. Don't know. You know, it, I didn't really even think about this until you said no little Braverman grandchildren. And then I thought, oh, just the older ones, except for Hattie and Max, too. You know, but like especially Hattie, it does occur to me like, oh, boy, yeah, they just hardly ever mention her. <laughs> She's just yeah. like she was such a big part of the show even after she left when Christina had cancer, which makes sense. That's her mom. But I don't know. I mean, Zeke's been having health issues all season. It would be nice to see a reaction from her. Yeah. Or even just a line, like when Christina gets there, to go up to Adam and say, I called Hattie. And yeah, just an acknowledgement. That's true. Cause I told her I'll let her know if anything happened, you know. Yeah, because Sarah any Ramos. reference. Yeah. She wouldn't have to be there for Hattie's presence to still be felt or mentioned. Yeah. 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 For this 100th episode, we get almost a bottle episode, mm. if I'm using that correctly. I think so. I mean, the brothers go to the luncheonette, and then they're driving back to the hospital. We get a little bit of Hank elsewhere, but most of this episode takes place in the hospital. Yeah. And it's all the regulars and very few guest stars. Yeah. Yeah. One guest star in a teeny tiny role, the ICU doctor, is mm. played by Jonah Platt who is the son of mega producer Mark Platt, who I believe works at Universal. Oh. So wonder how he got that job. 
And he's the older brother of Ben Platt. I was wondering that. Yeah. Yeah. He's blink and you'll miss him in this episode. Like he barely even has any. He had like he had that one little speech, right? About or was that not him? That wasn't him. It was was when Zeke had like the second heart attack. Oh, gosh. One of the guys who comes rushing in. Okay. Wow. Was a Platt. Was a Platt. Well, the beginning of this episode has this like long wordless montage. And I was thinking, I mean, now it's not a spoiler to say Zeke survives. Yeah. But at the end of the last episode, that was the last thing we saw was him apparently having a heart attack or some kind of episode. And that episode aired in November of 2014. And then now here we are, January 8th, 2015. So over a month had gone by in real time. And then you see this montage. And especially since we were on the death watch, like it seemed like, well, maybe this is it. And he's going to die. And there's going to be a few episodes left to show like the fallout of how does the family deal with that. On my second watch, it even occurred to me, they don't show the kids getting phone calls until after Zeke is wheeled away and we see Camille all by herself. And we don't really know how much time takes place between those things. It really felt like they could have been calling the kids and telling them that he died. Wow. It's like, wow, we don't even know until a few minutes into the episode Yeah, that he didn't, that he's still alive. Yeah, that's true. I thought it was a very effective, tense opening to the episode. And then like... The theme song felt jarringly upbeat. I thought so too. I wondered if they were going to like skip it for this one or or do something different or just do the names over the episode like some not not to criticize but it did feel a little jarring but only because it was so beautiful and I thought it was really telling just kind of getting a glimpse into each household and like the way that the spouses were comforting each person or not. Like in Hank's situation, I thought it was really interesting that Sarah didn't leave a note. I mean, later she was like, oh, I should have left a note. And I don't mean this to criticize her because what a scary panicked time and, and he's asleep. And I could just see looking at him and being like, oh, I won't wake him. And then that's it. But I did wonder if it was significant. You know, you get Christina and Adam like sharing this meaningful look like they know what the other one is thinking or something. And you get jasmine like holding crosby yeah crosby kind of panicking it looks like and then her sort of yeah steadying him and then sending him on his way yeah and then joel and julia oh yeah yeah bed together <laughs> yeah Woo! so newsflash they didn't just make out i a mean little. maybe they were just lying next to each other in bed naked but i think they had sex i'm do you yes I'm <laughs> okay <laughs> that's funny <laughs> i was like for sure. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I guess it is interesting. Like all the other partners were like really part of it and Hank wasn't. And I guess that was a storyline. I mean, I guess that that's significant um, yeah. that he wanted to be, but I don't know. We'll unpack that. Why do you think, and we will, but why do you think Sarah did that? I mean, is it just force of habit of being single like i take care of my own stuff i don't need to notify anyone i bet that is a big part of it but i also i mean it's so interesting because i don't know that we the audience are meant to have any like doubts at this point right i think we're probably supposed to be firmly rooting for sarah and hank and feeling like they belong together and and you know for the most part 
sure, I've come around. But there are little things that make me think, okay, so if this is it, if they end up together, (laughs) it's a little sad still. And I, I feel bad saying that, but I'm like, someone that you maybe feel like, oh, I shouldn't wake them. They maybe wouldn't like that. Or like, I can't. Yeah. I mean, I I would just think if it's something that major and your instinct isn't to wake that person up and have them like go through it with you, that doesn't seem like a good sign. Or like on the one hand, Hank being so insecure about Joel and everything could be looked at as really sweet. Like he cares so much. But on another level, it could be almost like, stop making this about you. Her dad's in the hospital. Like just, yeah. just figure it out, man. Like stop being needing desperately to be the center of attention or something. And so I don't know. It was just really interesting to me that there were these little moments that I was like, I I still don't love that, (laughs) but whatever. I I did think it was deeply interesting or it seemed like she kept wanting him to leave, but not in a like, get the hell out of here, but more of a like, Oh, you don't want to be here. You know, like she just didn't want to bother you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not how it's supposed to be. Like, I don't think. When something, I mean, it's good to be like, have a sense of independence and not be totally codependent on each other, have, have your own lives. But with something like this, I think you should want the other person to be there and they should want to be there. And yeah, Yeah. I just, and it's not even like if they had some huge job, right. That they were supposed to be doing that day and like, she couldn't be there, but she was telling him, I'm okay. I've got plenty of people around me. You go keep the job and do it yourself. Yeah. But no, they didn't. Yeah, it was a little odd. Yeah, I just thought this doesn't or seem I wonder- like that happy ending that I would want. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, the only other thought I had is, is it just a sign that he's more, I'm not committed, but like invested? He it maybe or he's farther along. He he thinks that this is more serious than it is. That he's just taking things faster. Hmm. Like maybe she wants it to end there eventually, but doesn't think that they're there yet. That could be. And maybe he's just like, no, 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 no. I'm really, I mean, he says later on, like, I don't want to be half in. I want to be all in. Yeah. I just want you to know I'm in. I am all in. Yeah. And maybe she just didn't know Mm -hmm. and wasn't there yet herself. And maybe she won't get there. Yeah. There is kind of a cliffhanger. There is kind of a cliffhanger. Yeah. So. The whole thing I love, I just, I never get tired of seeing the Bravermans be there for each other. Yeah. It always makes me see the show at its best. Yeah. When they're all just coming in, tending to each other. Our first clue as to how Zeke is actually doing is finding Camille in the hospital chapel, crying. Yeah. And trying to keep it a secret. Hey. Hey. I didn't want want your kids to see me like this. Well, it's okay. We don't know that it's okay. Oh, Adam, it was bad. It was really bad. I don't know if he's going to make it through this. All right, right, Mom. All right. And of course, when she's with the whole family and they say is he gonna be all right she says of course he's gonna be all right he's your father (laughs) and i thought that doesn't make any sense (laughs) no (laughs) i understand exactly why she's saying it yeah it seemed like such a mom thing to shield her kids from her true feelings honestly when she said that it really reminded me of the way i used to think about my dad who it's a weird thing to say because my dad was always sick you know he was 
laryngectomy when I was four and two major strokes when I was six and seizures for the rest of his life and a bunch of surgeries and, you know, eventually died of a heart attack. I mean, it was just, it was terrible. But because he was always surviving all this shit, I started like joking pretty openly, like, oh, he'll outlive us all. (laughs) You know, I started to sort of think of him as invincible uh, because nothing could like take him down. And then and then you step away from it and you're like, God, that's such a stupid thing to think. Like not in a not in a mean way towards myself or towards Camille or or any of the Bravermans. But it's just I mean, when you just really break it down, what you're right, what Camille said doesn't make any sense. And like my dad was only 58 when he died. And like, as Crosby points out, Zeke is just in his, you know, early 70s. And it's like these men are not invincible or immortal as perhaps the story people tell themselves, you know, and I don't know why certain people feel untouchable when no one is, you know, it died, but but I get that impulse. And I really liked that line. But then I also really liked that they gave her a moment where she just got to be real because she was kind of caught being real. Yeah. Yeah. It was refreshing. It was. And it just makes you feel for her because the stoicism is not uh, all that sympathy inducing but the cracks in it sure are yeah so well put well and i i maybe there are some people out there who want to be assured kind of in an empty way like say but but i don't and i liked the moments in this where it seemed like maybe people didn't want to be like i did really enjoy when hank said to drew your grandfather's going to be all right and drew was like i don't think you really actually know that and i appreciated that he said that because that would be me as well i personally would not have been comforted by camille's of course he'll be all right he's your father i weirdly think i would have felt comforted by her being scared because then i think i would have been like okay i can be scared too we don't have to just keep trying to be strong for each other and pretending like this isn't awful. Um, there's something yeah. comforting in that. And I liked, I feel like she throughout the episode was playing a nice balance between trying to be strong, trying to be positive, but also just having genuine reactions. Yeah. Like when that first doctor gave her an update and she said, not surgery. Yeah. And you, you just saw her wilt yes I mean, she just helped him recuperate from a surgery yeah that felt like the only honest reaction she could have and she had it yeah and i liked that rather than well we'll do whatever needs to be done right yes <laughs> right in that moment i don't th- i don't think i would no have the strength and i don't even know if that is strength yeah sometimes i think it's denial or just like not letting yourself feel stuff and i don't yeah. think that's ultimately very helpful so Yeah. I mean, I guess the other side isn't always helpful either. Just like reacting hysterically to everything, which is what I'm more likely to do. (laughs) So probably it's good to have some sort of mixture. Let yourself feel it, but like also try to talk yourself through it too. Like, like, okay, let's look at our options here, you know, because, because you have to let yourself react, but you can't be entirely reactionary all the time. You know, it's, it's an interesting balance. So, yeah. Joel comes to the hospital. Yes. All the in-laws do eventually, but Joel's the surprise because is he still an in-law or not? I no. don't think those papers got signed. <laughs> we're never certain. Maybe they had sex right on top of them, invalidating it. <laughs> <laughs> and the sweat wiped the ink away. That's gross. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> 
Well, I love that Sarah noticed that Julia was wearing what she, well, I don't think she knew what she'd been wearing, but isn't she said like, you're wearing a pencil skirt. You didn't come here and <laughs> you came from somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, which is very observant, but makes perfect sense. Yeah. Who would put yeah. that on at two in the morning? Yeah. Right. But Julia <laughs> didn't seem to have any idea of what it actually meant. Yeah. I think Sarah spoke for all of us when she's like, I need to get off this roller coaster ride. <laughs> And I did really appreciate, and maybe it's just the fact that there are only a few episodes left, so they just can't squeeze the drama out of every drop anymore, but I liked Julia saying... I don't know if we're back together. We may be on the road to getting back together. I like that she wasn't like, it didn't mean anything. (laughs) We're still divorcing. Like, I'm like, okay, you had sex. Like, that means something, you know? And I, I liked that. And I liked that moment where somebody stops them before they go in and is like family only. And she's like, he's my husband. Even though I'm pretty sure that moment was just there. So she'd have that line because she didn't stop anybody else and say family only. Like she, she just is, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, and I thought that was so strange. So clearly she didn't go into Zeke's room with the rest of the family. Yeah. Just so that they could have that moment. Right. Right. I think you're right. Yeah. And like no one even said anything like only four people at a time. Yeah. So it's like, well, Camille can only go in with three of the, if they had, I would be like, okay, I get it. You have to cap it at some level. But I was like, why isn't Julia in there? And they even have a line where they say, we're all here. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> Julia's out in the waiting room. She's waiting for someone to ask her about her relationship status. <laughs> <That's>, right. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's funny which devices to show us the value of Joel feel contrived and which ones don't. Because I agree with you. I think that nurse stopping them it doesn't really make a lot of sense when you stop and think about it. Yeah. But the moment of her saying, he's my husband. Yeah. Was so satisfying. Yes. But then this, I thought, felt pretty contrived. They just took dad to the operating room. What? what? Just, just now. They, he lost consciousness and then, I don't know, the machines started beeping. And they, what and machine? They have another heart attack. Yeah, they they heart related heart him? They the just shock him? I don't know. They took him to the cath lab. He had another heart attack. And then... They were able to normalize his heartbeat. They had to put stents in him, so they took him away so that they could get blood back to the heart. But that's all we know. But they're on top of it. Yeah. Like, I would have bought that reaction from Sarah, maybe. Like, I don't know, machine started beeping, and they took him away. Julia, I feel like, is so kind of put together. Yeah. She would have known what, I mean, she would have known at least what Joel knew. She wouldn't have just run out and gone, I don't know. (laughs) You know, it's funny. But it made Joel look like the stable hero. Yes. Very stable genius. Yes. (laughs) It's funny. I kind of bought Julia's side of it because, you know, sometimes we react out of character when we're freaked out. But I, I thought Joel... I was like, now that I would have bought if he were a doctor, you know, like that would have been a cool way to bring that in if he just, that was his character this whole time, six years of him, you know, being a doctor. So then, of course, he would have been able to really know what was happening. But I just thought, would he have known all that? Like, would he have paid that much attention? Maybe. And maybe the whole point is when one of them falls apart, the other one is steady. And when they're working well, that's how it's supposed to go. And and look, it did. I like it in theory. I did. I just, it was almost funny, like to hear it back, the contrast of her. Ah! 
than him being like, look, everyone, here's exactly what's going on. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, that one, I was like, I don't know why that one didn't work for me. And the, he's my husband, did. But yeah, Yeah. that's how it went. I felt the same way. What did you think about just like immediately, like him bringing like, you know, coffee and stuff? Did that... That felt in character to me. Me too. Yeah, yeah. I really liked, like, Hulu didn't even subtitle this line. It was so throwaway, but I loved it. Where Crosby got his, like, drink from Joel and said, oh, I could kiss you. And Joel said, like, no one's stopping no you. No one's stopping you. <laughs> I wrote that down. And it, I was like, so he's open to it. He's open to it is what you're saying. Uh, no, it was, it was just so funny. And I also really love that. Um, I remember listening to a podcast once that was talking about a concept I had not really uh, heard of before, but like maybe you have is gay panic. Um, they, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like they say, like Chandler had that on Friends all the time. People like panicking or him panicking because people thought he was gay and what have you. But I really love it when characters have the opposite of gay panic, where they will say something like, no one's stopping you, instead of, ew. (laughs) Or, yeah. yeah. I married your sister and I'm straight. (laughs) Like, just (laughs) just something really stupid. No homo, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I just thought that little throwaway line was a damn delight. So Yeah. Something I also thought was really funny. I mean, I'm probably just going to play every scene from this little storyline. Okay. But I can't believe it never occurred to me how little interaction Hank and Drew had. Yeah. And their first scene here made me laugh a lot. You good? Uh, I don't mean now, obviously. I mean, like in general, school and, and what have you. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. Okay, good. We're going to get there. I got the whole thing map quested, so we're going to get there on time. I mean, on time for, I mean, just mean in a, in a quick time, we're gonna get there. We're not gonna get lost. Right? Car wouldn't start, huh? Nope. Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't, can we just not talk? Oh yeah, all right, don't talk, yeah. That's what I should, that was my first instinct was not to talk to you. Should've went with that. I'm good, I, I like, very good at not talking. This is such a weird comparison, but um, that I'm very good at not talking after like a full minute of just nervous rambling really is very Pride and Prejudice. Um, Elizabeth Bennett's mom does that all the time. She's like, I'm never going to talk to you ever again. And then she just continually talks to her. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And it just anyway made me think of that. And God, yeah. isn't Ray Romano hilarious? I mean, it's a scene like that that I'm like, God, he is just effortlessly, hysterically funny. Like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's very impressive. It makes me wonder, how did I not ever appreciate him before this show? Even when I wasn't so fond of Hank, I've always been very blown away by him. And he really is so impressive. I guess I'd never seen Everybody Loves Raymond. I wonder if it's good. Have you ever seen it? Uh, I mean, not a whole episode, I don't think. Yeah. I have to say my gut reaction to every other regular cast member on that show is that I don't like them. Oh, interesting. I don't think I really like Patricia Heaton or Brad Garrett or Peter Boyle or Doris Roberts. I do like that you can name all of them, though. That's very cool. I think there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe Mark thought this, too. And maybe you... I kind of thought he was like Jerry Seinfeld light. Yeah. And it's so funny that I thought that. And maybe it was just because they were both in like sitcoms where, you know, is like centered around them and their names in it and stuff. But 
I don't know if I could imagine Jerry Seinfeld doing a dramatic role like this, um, you know, and, and you know what I mean? Like, I I just... We're going to go to the hospital. <laughs> I don't have a Seinfeld. <laughs> I, I bought it. I love that. But yeah, no, it was it was really just terrific. And it reminded me of the first time we ever saw Hank and Drew together, where Hank was like, really did feel like an entirely different person to me and was talking about like all the sex he had in high school and you know oh, yeah yeah they interacted then yeah but that was kind but of that was season four season I four and i think it was meant to be sort of a contrast like drew liked hank so much more than he liked mark which honestly based on the information he had i really didn't get because i'm like this guy's saying like creepy shit if if it were this version of hank talking to drew i would get it you know what i mean like because this is very likable other than the thing i said earlier about he is making it all about him but it's it's he's trying you know and and he was just so misogynistic in that early time I'm like why is drew liking this that he's you know talking yeah. about how sexy his girlfriend was and she had great legs it was I, I don't know whatever the crap he said but but i did i did believe that drew liked hank because i remembered that one little interaction they had i didn't but that's very good thank you do you think there was something symbolic about zeke being in the hospital fighting to stay alive and the car he rebuilt not Whoa. working i mean i didn't but now i do that's good damn that's good Wow. All I thought was that Miles Heiser nailed the scene where the car wouldn't start. Like, I was really taken aback. I mean, he's good. I've never not thought he was good, but I was like, this is exceptional. Like, it shouldn't be that compelling that a person's car won't start, that we've seen that <laughs> four million times in TV and movies. But it, he was just so desperate. And the way he said, damn it didn't feel like censored for television like he should have said fuck or something instead like it just yeah. it all felt very natural and perfect and i might have thought he was overreacting a bit if not for the last episode where their last encounter was like his de- his grandfather telling him how disappointed he was in him and and yeah. so i was i just was like oh of course you feel this way you've got to get to him and oh that's so sad yeah their second scene I thought was not just funny. Well, it wasn't all that funny. It was just a really great scene and a good conversation. Listen, uh, grandfather's gonna be okay. So, you know, just, just want you to know that. I think that you don't actually really know that. You looked upset, just trying to stay positive, that's all. I just messed up so bad the other day. He asked me not to tell my grandmother something that he was trying to plan for her. And then I just ratted him out. I think that's it. That's the last thing he's gonna remember no, about that, me when he's. True. That is. It's like he's been there for me the whole time. Way more than my dad. Way more than any of these losers that my mom brings around. He ain't gonna be thinking about you, grandfather. He's my daughter could tell me that she hates me, which she has told me that. Something happens, I'm not gonna be thinking of that. I don't know if your grandfather's gonna be all right or not, but I know that I'm a parent just like him. We don't hold on to any of that stuff. Yeah. 
Don't cough. <laughs> <laughs> Shh. That's also very Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Someone tells one of the Bennett sisters, don't cough. It messes with my nerves or something like that. It's also Mrs. Bennett. Mrs. Bennett's hysterical. Okay, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teaching it right now. It's on my mind. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, when Hank is with the whole family, watching him trying to act like an in-law is, I mean, it's endearing, but it's very awkward. Yes. And I loved that in this private moment, he really genuinely stepped up in a yes. moment when when he had something he felt like he could speak on yeah. with some authority. And I liked how it went from... Him just saying the thing he thinks he's supposed to say but doesn't actually know. And then by the end, he's very real with him. He's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But I do know he's not mad at you. Yeah. I loved that line so much because not only was it genuine and really helpful to Drew, this might sound really stupid, but I actually felt like it was helpful to me because, you know, I, I have a lot of guilt about my dad's death because I was 16 and, and not very patient with him a lot of the time, you know. And I mean, I know I've talked to you about this, but I'm not sure if I've talked on the podcast about it. But, you know, I don't think I was that bad. I was probably just like a normal teenager. But like, think how awful Ruby would feel if her dad died. Like, yeah. And like, the I was nowhere near as bad as Ruby, but like. You know, Ruby will certainly grow out of this phase and and that will be very nice. But like what he's speaking to right now is what if something did happen to me and we're, we're thinking of the times my daughter said, you know, I, I hate you and stuff. He's like, we don't hold on to that stuff. That's not what I'm going to be thinking about. And yeah, I I found that comforting. Like maybe my dad wasn't thinking about <laughs> how selfish I could be and and, you know, how impatient I could be with his like disability and stuff. So I, I thought, wow, I think, you know, you've got a really great line when it sort of like goes outside the television and hits a person <laughs> where they live. Um, that was that was really powerful. And then I thought it was such a nice little moment where he then takes Drew's drink and like takes yeah. a drink out of it and Drew smiles. I was like, that's funny. Like, that's like a closeness like that. That he feels comfortable enough to do that, and Drew isn't like annoyed. He thinks that's kind of endearing. So yeah, I have no idea what it meant. <laughs> no, <laughs> but and it, which makes me wonder if it was something that Ray Romano just did in the moment. I bet. I bet too. But I loved it too because it it felt like especially those two characters after things got that real, they would need something to break the tension. Yes. Yeah. And. Hank would do something like that. <laughs> yeah. I'd, and Drew yeah. would just be relieved. Like, okay, oh, now I can laugh at that instead of having to wallow in this moment of sincerity we just shared. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's perfectly put. Well, concurrent to this, all of this, the luncheonette gets robbed. Yeah. That was a lot. That was a, that was a big I did day. not remember that incident. And one of our most recent guests, was it Amy or was it Manal? I'm pretty sure it was Manal. Well, okay. I think After, so. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. After we finished recording the episode, we mentioned like, we don't remember what happens. And she said, oh, the luncheonette gets broken into and Adam wants to use the insurance money and Crosby doesn't. And we were like, oh, <laughs> it rang a bell to me, <laughs> yeah. but still I wasn't like, oh, right. Oh. And so now here seeing it again, I was like, gotcha. Okay. She, she was totally right. Mm -hmm. I was shocked when they go there and look. I mean, it's one thing to toss some chairs over and ransack the office. 
They took the mixing board. That was the thing that shocked me too. Like that takes <laughs> some commitment. <laughs> I was like, that's not light robbery. Getting something like that out of there would take multiple people and equipment to move it. Yeah, I would think. I would think so and too. Then if they got alerted to all of this because an alarm went off, the place is on some kind of alarm, <laughs> even if it's a silent alarm. Like how long did it take? <laughs> how long did these thieves give themselves to haul this gigantic equipment out of there? If you look I, at it too long, it really falls apart, doesn't it? I think it kind of does. Yeah. I bet it was Marley's. <laughs> Marley's? Marley's. I really Marley's. hope that's true. She's like, I'm getting these fuckers out. <laughs> She's been planning it since we saw She's her. Had it. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, he's still peeing outside. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really related to Crosby in the wake of all of this stuff going down at the same time. Sons of bitches. Yeah, I know. I mean, who does that? I don't know. Also, rip off someone who can afford it. You know, take down Wall Street or something. Picking on us, we don't have anything. Crosby, just take a breath. This is why we have insurance. It'll be fun. Yeah, the insurance company's going to really help us out. They're going to delay payment for God knows how long, and then they're going to haggle over the value of every single piece of equipment we have. It's all vintage. You know they're going to say it's worth nothing, and you know they will. It's the we final nail on the coffin. a good insurance policy. Can you choose a different metaphor, please? Why is all this happening right now? Why is Dad know. in ICU? Grandma's 94 years old or something? She's still going strong, and Dad's in there at 73? Dad is going to pull through. He's going to be all right. But just let me deal with the insurance company. I'm going to work it out. Let's just stay focused on dad, all right? Don't worry about it. Okay, look. The grandmother is 89 because in season three, she was 86. And yes, he, turning 86. Turning 86. And he said that his dad was 73, but he just turned 72. He just turned 72. And we, we noticed they went to great lengths For both to of those. emphasize that, those ages. Yeah. Do you think that it occurred to them at some point, like, oh, she would have been very young having him, like, like literally 86 minus 72, like 14 years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait, no, 80, well, 89, no, 89 yeah, minus. Yeah. Okay, that's a little so better. 17, 17, but still. Which is more believable for the time period. And maybe back in the 20s, whenever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't the 20s. What would it have been? I'm so bad at math. The 40s? Uh, if he 50, was seven, if he turned 72 in 2014. 2014. Yeah. I'm going to edit this out where I do it on my calculator. <laughs> <laughs> um, 2014 minus 72. <laughs> he would have been 1,942. I did the wrong calculation. <laughs> but born in ni- ni- 1942? So it was 2014 and he turned 70. So I need to subtract 72. <laughs> oh, Okay. Oh, yeah. Then he, was, then he would have been born. <laughs> <laughs> then he would have been born in 1942, which if she was 17, then would mean that she was born in 1925. Yeah, I guess so. But that appara- one I did in my head. <laughs> That's very impressive. But apparently, I mean, now they've Is just this- they've said, <laughs> now they've said she was 94 so that she could have been 21 having him. Which makes more sense, but anyway. At least Crosby did say 94 or something. Yes. I would believe he wouldn't know her age. Yeah. 
when he just celebrated his dad's birthday. He should have known that. A few months ago. And Although that was pre that three month jump. So I guess it has been longer than I think. Yeah. But it hasn't been a full year, but maybe it's been long enough for him to forget exactly how old his dad is. In the moment. Anyway, I did identify with him because him, like, I guess catastrophizing. Yeah. And saying, no, the insurance company is going to take forever and they're going to haggle over every little thing. And why is this happening at this moment? I'm like, that is exactly what I would do in that situation. Exactly. I would assume the worst about things that hadn't even happened yet. Yeah. I do it all the time. I'm aware I do it. I tell myself not to. I do it anyway. <laughs> do it anyway. Yeah. I'm the same way. I do that too. People are always like, worrying doesn't help anything. And I'm like, it's my coping strategy. I don't know. Like, I, don't, I, <laughs> I would love to just be zen. I can't be zen about anything. Yeah. And, and I don't think anybody will be zen on a day that their dad's having surgery and their like, entire... <laughs> like business is ransacked like that's a bad day that's a that's a very bad day i had a bad day <laughs> i don't remember the lyrics but no, i'm no. picturing the american idol everybody's like getting voted <laughs> off and going home <laughs> well the insurance company doesn't take forever they apparently get back to him later that day just got off the phone with the insurance company oh yeah more yeah. great news yeah actually uh, the numbers really worked out in our favor. It's a really much bigger payout than I expected. Way more. Like we could replace all the equipment, big or yeah, 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 or, or what? Well, we can do that, or um, we have another alternative. Just, just hear me out. We could cash out. Cash out. Yeah. Instead of reinvesting in the equipment we could take the insurance money and dissolve the business. And after we pay off our debts, we'd still have some money left over. Look, Cross, I don't know if we're ever going to make the lunch net profitable. And this way, you know, we're off scot-free. And we'd even have enough left over to give him for some severance pay. But you know, take the money. We can walk away. We can have a fresh start. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. It seems like maybe... A- blessing in disguise but it's mm-hmm. such a I'm so quick yesterday we had a business now we're talking about I'm thinking about it yeah for sure of course I you know I don't want you to do anything you don't want to do and you know, we're partners okay so yeah think about it hmm. and we both will all right so question for you yeah what 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 would you do <laughs> what, what 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 would you do <laughs> what is, do you remember that show no what was that from <laughs> <laughs> it was a Nickelodeon game show called oh, What Would You Do? Wow. And their theme went, What would you do? I was more like thinking you were going to be like, What would you do if the lunch net were robbed? <laughs> um, yeah. I would so take the money and run like I I just (laughs) like it's such a good plan that I'm like maybe they did this they hired Marlise (laughs) to rob (laughs) so that they could just get the hell out um I mean like that's how good of a deal I thought it sounded I was like I don't I you know and and I I thought what Jasmine will get to it I'm sure but like what she said was so beautiful but I was also like no don't listen to her <laughs> just get the hell out what what would you do 
I I don't know. I mean, probably take the money. Yeah. I mean, getting money for doing nothing is kind of my dream. Yeah, it's pretty so, good. <laughs> that's my dream that I won't <laughs> give up on. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious to know what this insurance policy is because in that scene with Jasmine, I think Crosby actually says it's like 20 grand that he and Adam would each get after they covered all their debts. And then there would still be money for Amber. And I don't know how much money they're thinking for Amber, but I would assume in the thousands, yeah. not the hundreds or, you know. $50. So, <laughs> so I'm like, let's say that they would give her like 5000 Yeah. I would kind of guess it'd be more than that, but that feels conservative. What is this policy that covers all of their debts, the building, breaking a lease, and then has 45,000 plus dollars left over? That's a very good point. I mean, maybe it w- its valuation went up after the offer from the guy from Fresh Prince. <laughs> Wait, no. Or no, well, different it, world? Different world. Yeah, Dwayne Wayne. <laughs> Dwayne Wayne. I mean, I should card card Maybe that Harrison. helped them. Like maybe they went to their insurance company and was like, "Look, our company's worth 2 and a half million dollars." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you better up our policy or I don't know. I don't understand how insurance works. I don't either, but I guess the the th- like okay, if I'm understanding correctly, they would have this money because they wouldn't be rebuying the equipment. But I don't know how uh, uh, how much could the equipment be that it's like forty five thousand dollars? Do you know what I like? It, it still seems insane, but yeah. I guess that's the part that we're supposed to pay attention to. Like, okay, if we don't reinvest in the place, use the money for that, then we could just take the money, but. Yeah, I mean it's it's super convenient. I mean it is very much like Dwayne Wayne offering two point five million dollars. Like I, in fact, I I wrote a question in my notes that was like, which one is less believable? You know, they're <laughs> they're they're. I guess the most unbelievable thing would be if they got robbed and then the severance or whatever was two point five million dollars. Um, right. Yeah. But anyway, I I don't mean to be someone who poo-poos dreams or what have you. I mean, I think dreams are important, but sometimes I think that TV and film and books like present dreams in a really unrealistic way that like the only, I don't know, like this brought them so much stress this last year. I loved what Crosby said about the idea of not having stress sounded really good to him. And I thought, yeah, I mean, he could have this money and then go get his old job back, which apparently they're always calling. Like, I just thought he wouldn't even have to, like, schlep around and try to find something or work in an industry that wasn't his industry. He could just... Now he's got to go into shoe business. Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe then, if it was... You know, he to... and Corey, I think, would actually work well I together. think they would, yeah. And I, let's bring then back Corey. Then he could Corey. finally be stoned at work. Yes, his dream. That's his dream. No, I don't know. <laughs> but I just thought... Even on Tuesdays. Even on Tuesdays, which, you know, yeah. Then he could just tell Jasmine. Yeah. He could just be like, look, Corey says it's fine. Um, I I just mean, yeah, it's not like the choice is between the luncheonette that he runs with his brother or some industry he couldn't care less about. I just thought, what's the problem with working at Bayview? When when she was like, you were miserable. Maybe this is terrible of me to say, but I'm like, well, most people are at work. You've also been <laughs> miserable just playing Candy Crush and doing like, you know, cat ads. Um, like and She's filing right now. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought 
it's so weird to me that it's presented as this noble thing when sometimes looking after what's best for your family and your peace of mind and, and like not turning away a gift that the universe has handed you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just thought, I don't know that this is great advice. <laughs> I, I think if it's a real relief to, to sell, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like it was a failure. It was something cool you got to do for a while and it didn't work. And I guess I also don't know what would be different if they reinvest all that money in there into like this thing that hasn't been successful. Why will it be successful now? Yeah. I could see trying it the way they did in the beginning and not selling it when it was worth $2.5 million. I can even see that because it's like, no, look, people think this is a good idea and successful. We hold on to it. But after a year like they've had, I just don't understand. Well, let's compare and contrast yes. the reaction of the wives mm-hmm. and how they handle their husbands, which I thought was very interesting. I did too. First up, Jasmine and Crosby. Adam talked to the insurance company and yeah. looks like they're going to give us a big old check. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's good. He, uh... He thinks we should take the money and just keep it moving, break our lease, pay off our debts. Thinks we can both walk away with like 20 grand even after giving Amber some money. Mm. Shut up shop. Mm. We could take the kid to Hogwarts and I could get a job at Bayview, they're always calling. Be a lot of pressure off me and us. Would. He thinks it's no-brainer. Hmm. What do you think? I think it's been a really stressful year. And the idea of not having any stress right now sounds pretty good. Okay. What do you think? I think I'll support you no matter what. But you've already tried working for other people, and you were miserable. And I don't want that. The luncheonette, that made you happy. That was your dream. And you can't let these jerks that broke in or some slow months of business or even Adam take that away from you. Life is short, baby. You got to hang in there. And then she gives him the world's cutest wink. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. Yeah, yeah, it was. I want to be the sort of person who loves what she said. I mean, I did love what she said. I just didn't really agree with it. I want to be the sort of person who agrees with it and is like, yes, follow your dreams no matter what. It was very beautifully stated. Yeah. And I, it's funny, I didn't even really contemplate whether or not I agreed with her. I just wrote down... I found her candor refreshing, especially since it was prefaced with that she would support him no matter what. Yeah. Which felt sincere. It didn't seem like she was just saying it because she knows that's what she's supposed to say. No, I agree. And then I wrote, maybe it's not the best advice, but it's great to know what she's really thinking. Yeah. And I, especially since I feel like he was kind of indicating, I felt like that he maybe was leaning the other way. Mm -hmm. So for her to say the thing that she maybe thought he didn't want to hear because it was actually her honest opinion. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's great. Yeah. 
And there were other things I loved about just the scene in general. I loved seeing Crosby so rational and vulnerable. It was a great like the way, look on him. Yeah. Yeah. And the way like his voice kind of broke and his eyes were a little glassy when he said, it's been a really stressful year. Yeah. Oh, I can't, you can't not feel for him. Yeah. And then I really loved how he said it would take a lot of stress off of me. And then he corrects it and says off of us. Yeah. After we've seen Jasmine kind of try and get it through his head that they're all in it together. Yeah. It felt like a little indication that he was letting her know I've learned that lesson. Yeah. And this wouldn't just make my life easier. It would make our life easier. Yeah. And I know you're under a lot of pressure too when the luncheonette is not doing well. And like, oh, he's growing. He's learning. That's so great. That felt like the Crosby that I remember loving, you know? I mean, yes, vulnerable and real. That was, that was great. I agree. I loved everything you just said. I agree. And you know, the episode can only be, what, 42 minutes long. It maybe would have been nice to have a little more back and forth where he says something like, it is my dream, but you know, you put your dream on hold Mm -hmm. of opening a dance studio because we're struggling and you're filing and you're doing it without complaint. And I really appreciate it. Is this maybe not a sign that it's my turn? And, you know, I wouldn't be filing, like you said. I would be doing the work I love, but somewhere else where I'm not the boss for a while. I don't know, and see what her reaction is to that. And in real life, it would be a longer conversation. Sure. I think on TV, it's like, okay, we got to cut right to the chase because Hank's got to propose to Sarah and Drew <laughs> yeah. has to talk to Hank and yeah. Zeke needs his update and Joel and Julia have to moon at each other. I don't know. Yeah. No, but I actually didn't know that I wanted that conversation until you just said it. And now I'm like, oh man, yeah, that would have been really special. And, you know, spoiler for Friday Night Lights, skip ahead now, anybody who hasn't watched it yet and wants to, (laughs) but the very end of the series, it's Tammy's turn, you know, like it was coach had a really great opportunity and so did Tammy and they do her thing instead of his because they'd been doing his thing for the entire series. I could not have loved that more. I thought that was really special. And yeah, I mean, it would have been cool. Crosby mentioned that dance studio kind of for the first time a few episodes ago. So it would have been cool to like return to that. And especially after Jasmine was just so selfless and said, you know, it is your dream for him to have like been like, no, this is the perfect opportunity now for you to have your shot. Oh, man. Uh, that would have been really yeah. cool. Oh, well. <laughs> now, do you think Jasmine's advice, you know, I said, oh, it was nice to hear her be so honest. Do you think that's what she honestly believes? Or do you think that she is trying to tell Crosby what he wants to hear? That is a great question. And I'm not sure. I have to admit, I think I was a little surprised that that's what she said because she's so practical, you know, like back when they were getting, the marital counseling thing, you know, that destroyed everything. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. Spenders or savers. And she said savers, you know. Um, she And, and she, it was very important to her to put that money back. And I just think this is wildly impractical <laughs> to just keep throwing good money after bad if it's not working out. And, I mean, I get what she's saying about you can't let these people who broke in and a few slow months affect it but then I thought why can't you I mean it's just it's not it's not working out and it's a blessing in disguise that you're just not going to take I I'm like can you really say that you're a saver if 
if you're like, no, just keep going after this dying business. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm not sure either, but I wanted to ask before I played Adam and Christina, because I felt like Christina was not sharing her opinion as much. Huh. I felt like she was more. Well, and Adam, too. I feel like Crosby was genuinely asking, what do you think? Yeah. Because I'm confused and I don't know what I think. Mm hmm. I feel like Christina was presented with a husband who was more asking permission. Yeah. Here's what I want to do. Is that okay? Is that okay? I mean, and he flat out says that from his first line. How would you feel if I walked away from the lunch in it? The insurance payout is pretty good. Does all the business take the money? Figure out what's next. Is Crosby okay with? Talk to him about it. He wants some time to think about it, but I think we're on the same page. You built this together with him. I yeah, mean, I know, but it's, it's, a, it's... I don't want you just to throw it away because of... We're not making enough money. I know, I know. It's like this weight around my neck that... I know. When I thought that I could let go of it, it felt so good. Well, if that's the reason, then yes. I'm on board. I want to let it go. Then we're going to let it go. All right. I feel like she tested out some resistance to the idea just to maybe make sure yeah. that he knew why he was doing it and then instantly back down when she realized it wasn't what he wanted or needed to hear. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was a sign like she knows him very well. Yeah. And I think Jasmine knows Crosby well. It was just a little harder to... He wasn't asking permission, I don't think. No, but I think now that we've been talking, I think maybe Jasmine really was saying what she knew Crosby deep down wanted to hear. Because mm. Adam is phrasing it like, I want to get out. This is a weight on me and it feels so good to let it go. And while Crosby says something kind of similar, you know, he says it's been a really stressful year and the idea of not having stress right now, you know, sounds good. I think that she knows his feelings are temporary, like based on the circumstance. But he loves the luncheonette more than, you know, any yeah. anything, not anyone, but anything. And... I don't think Adam feels the same way. I mean, I think he's thought this was a really fun job when it was going well. But once it start, stopped going well, I think he was probably a little resentful even. Like, what, how did we get into this? I, I should have just had steady work this whole time. This is so stressful. And whereas I think Crosby is maybe just at a low moment and it's what Adam wants to do and it's the sensible thing. So he's like, yeah, he thinks it's a no-brainer. And I think maybe Jasmine knows that's not what you really want, though, is it? And maybe she's thinking ahead, like, maybe he'll be resentful if I'm like, yes, jump on that, sell it, go work at Bayview. And she's just seeing the future yeah. and him being miserable working for other people. And it will come so. spewing back at her some night over the dishwasher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, be like, you thought it was a great idea, you know, and, and I didn't want to let you down. Wanted to take the kid to Hogwarts. Like maybe everything he just said so earnestly would come back. I hope not, but it could, you know, and so maybe yeah. she knows the right thing to do is to just not support the thing he's just said, but support the thing you know he really wants. Because it, that's all it takes for him to be like, you're right, I'm not giving up, you know? And right. when Christina tried that a little bit, it did not turn Adam around because what he really wants is to let go. Yeah. P.S. Who's running the entire school when Christina is away? <laughs> like, I bought, when she arrived late, uh -huh. like everyone else got there and she was noticeably later in getting there. I thought, 
this is a good detail because she can't just not go to school. Yeah. If she's running the whole place. Yeah. But maybe if she gets there and puts something in place, then she can leave once the day has begun a little bit. Yeah. But nothing about, oh, Evan's got to school today. <laughs> yeah. No. Nope. No, he doesn't exist. <laughs> he has disappeared off the face of the earth. That's right. Yeah. Maybe he's in a relationship with Hattie. No, wait, no, Hattie's gay now. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know what's happening. But Or with Marlies. Yeah. Someone else who vanished off the face of That's the That's right. Maybe Evan helped Marlies rob the luncheonette as punishment for getting fired from Chambers Academy. I don't know what happened. <laughs> anyway. Well, let's just finish out this little story, Lynette, because as you said, it didn't take much for Crosby to change his mind. I've thought it over, and I don't want to cash out with this insurance money. I don't think that's right. I think... You know, when we, when we started that company, we were at zero, and we took it somewhere amazing. And, and now we're not at zero. I mean, yeah, we've had our legs taken out. But between you and I, I, I just, I, I would bet on us. And I don't think we should let one rough year break us. That's not who we are. We're partners, right? Partners? Yeah. All yeah, right. partners. Surely the practical thing is take the money. If you can get out of this business without having lost anything, yeah, that's incredible. But I did think Crosby actually made a decent point because they started this and they had a pretty meteoric rise yeah. to success. Just mm -hmm. instantly they're making money and doing really well, which is not very realistic, but that the show presented that as what happened. Mm -hmm. And I think businesses are going to have ups and downs yeah. and you guys were just really lucky Yeah. at the first sign of trouble that you've ever had. You just give up. Good point. That doesn't seem very practical. And yet, like I said, the odds of them ever turning their profit. I mean, I, isn't it true? Like most businesses don't, right? I most think, new I, small businesses I think that's are unsuccessful. True. Yeah. So if they could get out of it yeah. debt free, Boy, you better thank your lucky stars. But <laughs> Everybody is so motivated by different things, though. Like money, it motivates me in the sense that like I'm, I'm never going to be a millionaire or anything like that. But um, what I can do is spend my money wisely and, you know, save and pay off my debts. And, you know, I've I've made a life doing that. I mean, honestly, I learned that from my parents who were terrible with money and it was very stressful growing up in that environment where we just were constantly paying off debts and worried about everything. And I guess that's maybe where my passion is coming from, where I'm like, oh, you can get out of this thing, you know, and, and, but, but I like what you said very much and what Crosby said about it was, it's one tough year. If you look at it that way, I mean, you're not supposed to, you know, if you like you invest money like stocks and bonds and not that I know shit, but you're not supposed to pull the money when things are going badly. You know, um, you're supposed to stick with it and hope it turns around. Right. So maybe that's what would happen. I don't know. My other note on that scene, though, was it's pretty clear that Adam doesn't agree with Crosby. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And it's like, does Crosby not know his brother? <laughs> Could he not tell that Adam was not with him? Ugh. And is it not better to just in that moment say, do you not feel the same way? But then where would the drama be? Is this good drama? Like, because it's sort of showing that they're always the same people that 
you know, like they're the same people that they were three years ago when they were presented with with selling it? Or do you think that it's kind of tired because they are like really revisiting something that they've already explored? This feels different to me. Yeah. Just because, well, and maybe it's because I know the series is about to end. But it's such a different way to not have the luncheonette anymore. Yeah. One feels victorious, but kind of like cashing out or like selling out. Yeah. Like, oh, now I'm a millionaire because I had this great business. And then as soon as someone else wanted it, I just gave it. Yeah. And now it's like we've been defeated and it's like beaten into submission. Yeah. And Adam's saying uncle. Yeah. But I I like that they have the same positions because I think it just illustrates what you just said about people are motivated by different things. It was never as important. It was never as personal to Adam. It was just a business. Yeah. And he was doing it with his brother. So I think that added a personal element. Yeah. But it it wasn't Adam's dream. Yeah. And it, it means a lot more to Crosby. And I think... Oh, he's willing to fight for it more. And he's willing to pass up a huge payment because what he wants to do is the work of actually being there every day. Yeah. So it feels consistent and honest in that way. Yeah. But what do you think? I don't know. I, I love that. And I was just thinking how maybe part of the stress for Adam is like, I mean, both him and Christina have these sort of insane jobs <laughs> where they've <laughs> gone into business for themselves, essentially, and they've created something. And I would think that would add to the stress because neither one feels like a sure thing, you know, and and I get it. I mean, Christina used to not work at all and they just lived off of Adam's paycheck. So, I mean, maybe it's fine. But I That's all I could think was like, here's Jasmine out here filing, <laughs> doing something stable. And maybe if I were Adam, I would just feel stressed out that both of us were taking these huge risks with businesses that could fail. And maybe he, maybe that has changed his position even more. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Or like really ever since they opened Chambers Academy, I don't think he's felt as invested in the luncheonette because he has felt the tug of that place. And so I wonder if maybe he's feeling a little overwhelmed and divided and maybe like choosing between his his wife and his brother. Like, I mean, I wonder if there are just things there that the show isn't really exploring, but that you could read between the lines and see. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I don't remember how this resolves, but I would, it would feel false to me if Crosby persuaded Adam Mm -hmm. around to his side. I'm like, either they're selling or somehow they are going to split up. Yeah. And like Crosby's going to stay with the luncheonette and Adam's getting rid of it. I don't know if I see Adam being convinced again because of they wanted to sell before. Like this would be the second time yeah. that he got talked out of not being in charge of this. Yeah. I don't think his heart's in it. No. And I think he does have different. Well, he and Crosby are different people, first of all. Yeah. Motivated by different things. And even though they both have families, I can't help but feel like Adam's responsibilities just are different. He still has a child in an Ivy League school yeah. that needs to be paid for. He, They have a son with special needs and they have a toddler. Yeah. Crosby's kids are small. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know why that feels so much less pressing. I guess they just don't have the expenses. Neither of them are special needs kids and neither of them are in college. Yeah. 
I mean, there will be some circumstances, but, but yeah, different circumstances. Wouldn't Adam's stress be so much less if he were the vice president of a shoe company? Yeah. Or beverage distribution or whatever. Yeah. And he's never loved his job. Not in that way. No. Like, I don't think he, to your point earlier, I don't think he expects that out of a job. No. Like when Jasmine says, working for other people made you miserable. I think Adam's response to that would be, yeah, what's so bad with being miserable? Your job. It's your job. Yeah. That's why you have a satisfying home life that, you know, like that, that's supposed to make up for it. I actually think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. I personally, it's weird. I don't really love that. I, I do think that if at all possible, try to find work that makes you happy. But, but I think it's very narrow to say that that has to look like working for yourself when it's not working out. Like, I think again, the fact that Crosby could still work in the same industry that I think some people would just consider themselves lucky for that. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, I I think that's what gets me. And, you know, now I'm thinking about that final conversation. I kind of thought it was a little dumb when Crosby was like talking about his dream car and it's like a Lambo or whatever. I was like, what does this have to do with anything? But then now that we're talking more, it's a metaphor. Everything is a metaphor. Um, But like his car is not practical at all. And, and Adams is, even if he is like dreaming quote unquote, he wants a practical dream. And so that says it all. I think very astutely observed. Thank you. (laughs) Well, something we haven't really touched on yet is, Zeke. Yeah, I guess that's true. And, you know, they they all go in there, just the siblings, mm-hmm. and are telling stories that I would assume all of them already know, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, this was funny, though. While the whole immediate family was in Zeke's room, I imagined Christina, Joel, and Jasmine out in the waiting room talking to each other and being like, so do any of you have families, parents, <laughs> siblings, or a life before you met the Bravermans? No? You neither? <laughs> and I bet Hank's like, none of you guys do? I do. I just got here, and I do. <laughs> <laughs> Jasmine's like, I used to have a brother, but... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen him in a really long time. <laughs> His last appearance has already happened. <laughs> just sad. <laughs> well... The doctor comes in to give the most chilling update. Yeah. Yet. So, uh, how am I? Um, it's okay to talk. No, 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 it's up to him. We're in this together here. Okay. No. All right. Well, look, we've always been straight with each other, right? Yeah. I mean, tell it like it is. Okay. First of all, the stents we put in were successful. But your heart, Zeke is just not as strong as it needs to be. You're still getting fluid backing up into your lungs, and that's what started all of this to begin with. So, um, option one, we go back in. We open you up again and we fix the valve. Replace the damn thing if we have to. The problem is you're not as strong as you were the first time we operated. Opening you back up again could be a very dangerous thing. Okay. Uh, so what if I don't do anything? Well, then you run the risks. Another heart attack, or blood clots, or a stroke, aneurysm. I, okay, so I got a couple options, and neither one of them sound very good to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Option three. 
take some time. Rest up. Talk to the family. I'm sure you'll have lots of questions, and I promise you, we will talk about all of them. Gosh, this may be the worst I've ever felt for Zeke. Yeah. This feels so real and so depressing. Yeah. I felt that way the whole episode. I thought it was very well done, very believable, and yeah, depressing. Like, this felt so different from the beginning of the season where, yes, it's scary to face surgery, but it was like, 95% success rate or whatever, you know, and it just, his obstacle was almost to just kind of get out of his own way and be okay. But this, this is genuinely terrifying where really he could make either decision and you couldn't be like, Zeke, what are you doing? 95% success rate. You have to try. And I genuinely don't know what he should do. And what would you do? uh, I don't know. I, I really don't. I think I think I would probably have the surgery, even though the idea of dying like in surgery is very scary. But I think personally, I might find it scarier to know that I was like walking around feeling like a ticking time bomb, like something, anything could just happen to me. Like we were talking before we started recording, I'm like borderline a hypochondriac anyway. And when when presented with no evidence that anything's wrong with me, I can talk myself into feeling like something could happen to me. And so if some if a doctor told me that any of those things actually could happen to me if I did nothing, I don't know how much I'd be enjoying my time. I know that some people say things like like oh I I don't even want to have chemo at this point. I just want to live out the rest of my life and I I I get that viewpoint I really do. But I think I think it would be scary for me to do nothing um when I could try and do something. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. I, I don't know for sure, but I think I would lean towards surgery. And for the same reason, I'm very fearful of unexpected catastrophes like a heart attack or a stroke. Yeah. And I think I would find some comfort in being able to like schedule an appointment for my risk. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, I, I might die from surgery and I might die from just walking around. Yeah. At least the surgery, I could say it's on this day. And if it works, then maybe I would be better. Yeah. Afterwards. I mean, I that, I think that would be one of my real questions for the doctor when he says, I'm sure you'll have questions. And part of me thought, what? What questions would you have? Yeah. And I think, well, this would be a good one. If I had the surgery and let's say you replaced the valve. Yeah. Which I know nothing about cardiology. No, me Shocking. Neither. <laughs> but, um but when Leland says, well, they'll replace the valve if we have to, I wondered, why didn't you just do that the first time? Like, yeah, I don't know. Is that maybe more certain? Like, okay, artificial valve time. Yeah. And then we know it will work. But anyway, I would want to know if I had the surgery, if it went well, if you replaced the valve, what's my quality of life like after that? Yeah. Do I make a full recovery or am I leading a diminished life or... What is the range of possibilities? Like, yeah. could, it, could it be bad? Could it be good? I think if there's a chance that it'd be like as good as new, I might take that risk. Yeah. Also, this might sound messed up and I don't mean it to, but, you know, just real talk, um, <laughs> we're all going to die. <laughs> um, it's a certainty. What? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so sorry to break it to you. Um, but no, in all seriousness... 
of all the ways that you could die, I wonder if dying during surgery is that bad because you like, I mean, it's a messed up thing to say, but like, I think I would rather, like you said, like schedule a date, say goodbye to people, like hug them and be like, I don't know if this is the last time, but if it is, you know, say all the things that I want to say and know that I would be knocked out for it and essentially go in my sleep. And yeah, I wouldn't know that I didn't come back. I think that would be less terrifying than even the previous episode, the end where he's having that heart attack and he's like panicked and he's like, Millie, call the doctor, you know, like almost certainly without the surgery, whatever happens to him would be something terrifying. You know, it would be having a stroke or having a heart attack. He's probably awake for it and he probably knows what's happening. And so like, I know that's like a real dark doomsday way to look at it, but I think maybe Again, if, if you have the surgery and it goes well and you, you have a better chance at a, a full life, but the other side is you might die there instead of unexpectedly. Yeah, I'm leaning towards surgery. I think that's the choice I would make. But I'm yeah. so glad that that's not a choice that's being asked of me right now. That's right. so sad and scary. Aging is hard. It is. What you said makes so much sense to me, but I could also see someone saying, I would want to know when I'm going. I would want to have that moment of realizing, oh, my life is ending. Not, yeah. oh, I was unconscious for it. I yeah. I counted backwards from 10 and then nothing ever again. Like, yeah. Who knows? I, but I think I would be much more inclined to say, <laughs> let me go Peacefully. without fear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes me think of, um, <laughs> I don't know, Mark and I have had conversations like, you know, what if I'm asleep on a plane and the plane goes down and Mark's like, oh, I'm not waking you. Like... <laughs> You're just going to get to die not knowing. And I was like, you wouldn't wake me? And he's like, I would wake you? And then you'd be like, oh, I'm dying. And he's like, <laughs> it's like you could have just gone without knowing. You know, and then I'm like, oh, fascinating. You know, like, How heavy of a sleeper are you? I feel like you'd probably I, I wake up. I think I would have woken up. Yeah, I think it's moot. But it wouldn't be Mark's doing. It wouldn't be Mark's doing, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, these are interesting questions. Or like... I remember there was this ridiculous movie from the 90s called Mad Love with Drew Barrymore and um, Chris, Chris O'Donnell. Yes. Um, yeah. And I remember like there's a question in it. It's one of the only things I remember about this movie. But the question is like, would you want to know the day that you're going to die? And I thought she would say no because she was like the free spirit and he was like the buttoned up guy. But no, he says, I would not want to know uh, what day I'm going to die. And she says, I would. <laughs> and I was like, oh, intense. I don't know which side that's proving. You know, I, I don't know. But I think you can trick yourself into thinking you've got all this time left. But when someone tells you something like that doctor tells Zeke, you can't just walk around feeling invincible anymore. I don't I don't imagine. And so that, yeah. that might just change everything. I don't know. You want to you know something bizarre? Yeah. I think it's bizarre. Yeah. So sometimes when I reach certain ages, like when this podcast comes out, I will have like just turned 37. And um, I think about ages sometimes and like, oh, I'm almost 40. And then is that like probably like half my life? Mm -hmm. Like, well, 80 is, you know, nothing to shake a stick at. That's a pretty long life. And I think, oh, my gosh, but I'm at 50 percent once I get there. Then and only then in that context am I comforted by the fact that, hey, actually, I could die tomorrow. (laughs) Like I could die crossing the street. I might be actually at like 99.8% of the way through my life. Yeah. And I don't know it. 
which is not comforting. But <laughs> in that moment, I it just helps me remember, I don't know. And I, no one knows. Yeah. And to me, I would absolutely not want to know. No, because then you're like, it's a countdown and it's like all yeah. you can think of and you're obsessed with it. And what if it isn't long? It is nice to have the illusion that it's long. I think that's what was making me think of this. Like Zeke is having a lot of his like illusions taken away. And like something that really breaks my heart is when he said that he wishes they could go back just a couple of years, like not even like 50 years, but just a couple of years and like have some fun, I think he says. And I'm I'm just like, oh, if I were Zeke, I would just be kicking myself that I hadn't traveled with my wife, which was her dream. I, you know, and, and I really like that in the last episode, that's I think what that was all about. But you know, no one wants to have like regrets at the end of their life. And I imagine that Zeke doesn't have too many, although maybe <laughs> cheating on his wife, you know, I mean, they're not talking about that, but I wonder if that's some of it, but like on a much smaller scale, just not doing some of the basic things that would make her happy. He probably is really happy that they moved into the house that she wanted, you know, like I, yeah. I wonder if these are the kinds of thoughts he's having, but I do also want to say that when I turned 40, I had many of those same thoughts. I I really don't freak out too much about aging as far as like looks, really. Um, Well, not too much. I kind of just want to look the same for as long as I can. But I I don't think I'll be like a Botox person or anything like that, you know, but I'll just try to take care of myself as much as I can. But no, I'm I'm lucky. You're the most diligent sunscreener I know. I am. I'm very diligent about that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, not to, I don't know. I'm very lucky to have a husband who doesn't expect me not to age or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it's just, it's so ridiculously healthy and it allows me to have a like really healthy, I think, outlook about getting older. And I, I genuinely am happier all the time. Like, and and more confident and settled and all of those things. But the thing that freaks me out is exactly what you said. Like what percentage of my life is is this? How how many years do I have? And we don't know. And it is, I guess, a comfort uh, not to know. But I I mean, I, I just kept thinking of that when like Camille says to Amber, you cannot know how impossibly fast it goes by. I just thought, yeah, it does go by fast and I'm not as old as she is, but like just midpoint, it goes by fast. I think of that all the time at work when I'm around all these teenagers. I'm like, you guys are going to be where I am tomorrow. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> bonkers. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. And I think this episode really captures all of that. It's very heavy and real and in a way that doesn't feel a little manufactured the way that honestly, I thought sometimes Christina's storyline did because this is end of life stuff. I mean, even if, even if Zeke doesn't die, I don't know how great I'd feel if I were Zeke. Like, I, I don't think I'd feel, well, I've got an infinite number of years ahead of me. You know, at, at this point, this conversation, it must you must feel that crunch of mortality. Yeah. Well, and like you said, just illusions being shattered. Getting old and getting sick or dying, it's just inevitable. Yeah. I mean, in some form, it's going to happen to you. Yeah. And they can't pretend that it's not anymore. And there's just so many parts of that that are so depressing. And just to go down this little road a little more, that last scene between Zeke and Camille. Oh, Millie. God. A terrible thing to put you through. So sorry I scared you like that. Yeah. It's about as scared as I've ever been. Yeah. I mean, God, Millie. How the hell did we end up here? Like 
this. I mean, don't you wish we'd just go back a couple years, just, you know, you and me, and have, have some fun, you know? We'll do it again. I'm not sure about this operation thing, Millie. Well, we don't have to be sure about it. You heard the doctor. We'll take time. You know, we'll talk about it. We'll decide. We'll talk to the kids. No. No, I don't want the kids involved in this. We'll make the decision, you and me. I just thought, man, you want the story of a life and the story of a marriage to have a happy ending. But like I said, the getting older, death, that's unavoidable. Yeah. And so much about those things is just depressing. Yeah. You know, I guess you just do the best you can with it. Appreciate what you got. Appreciate that you made it to 72 or 73. Who knows? (laughs) And... Be as happy as you can be. You know, the most sudden, surprising, powerful moment of tears for me, both times I watched the episode, was when Drew told Zeke he loved him right Mm. after this Amber and Drew come in. And he hugs him and says, I love you, Grandpa. I didn't remember that he said that, so it really caught me off guard. And just knowing all that had been on Drew's mind and what Hank said to him. And then I thought, you know, even if this were the end of Zeke's life, to be in that hospital and have all those people there who love you and who you love. Yeah. Is there a happier ending than that? I mean, what a thing to be grateful for. But yeah. I I think it would require you really choosing to see it one way. Yeah. And ignoring like, gosh, I had all these years with my wife who's so wonderful and I cheated on her and we bickered at each other and we sniped about stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter at all. Yeah. And just all the wasted time. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I I think about that sometimes. It's almost like irrational. But like, I don't know if I'm on my phone <laughs> for a while. If I'm just scrolling social media, I'll be like, oh my God, what a waste. Like, <laughs> every moment is precious. I don't know. I'll just, I'll, and then I have to like almost tell myself to calm down because I'm like, well, you know, for the most part, I think I'm living my life meaningfully. And you can't make every second meaningful because it's um, actually exhausting. <laughs> you know, I think it's yeah. it's okay to have little breaks, you know, from from the meaning. But that's... Dim- I forget where I heard this, but someone, you know, they always say, live every day as if it were your last day. Yeah. And someone said, oh, come on, who can really do that? Yeah. <laughs> no I one. identified with that. That's but, true, because yeah. you would quit Impractical. your job and, and, you know, I mean, yeah, like, you can't. You have to, you have to live for the present, but you also have to live for the future. You know, you have to have that balance, I think. And yeah, I mean, it's true. Like a lot of this stuff is really impractical. Like I do want to be present as often as I can be, but there are times you just got to check out a little bit. You're, you're really exhausted or you just want to do something silly. But I think that's different from what we were talking about with, because I think Zeke has real genuine regrets. I think it would be different if he were looking at death, knowing he'd been the best husband he could that doesn't mean perfect, but I think he must know he could have done better. That yeah. that's that's got to be hard. 
that's one thing that I feel mostly really good about is I think like for the most part, I'm, I'm doing the best I can at pretty much every area of my life. I think that was what was so hard about my dad dying is I wasn't, it's easy for me to say with my adult brain that I wasn't doing the best I could at 16, but actually I maybe probably was, I was not equipped to do all kinds of things. You know, I was just very insecure and, and very, um, angsty and sad (laughs) and you know it was I was probably doing the best I can but now I could do better and so I can be hard on my older self and if you look at it that way then I think was Zeke doing the best he could was he just foolish and he didn't have the wisdom that he gained later and so he shouldn't be too hard on himself he made it right I don't know hard to say yeah that's hard that's probably the sort of thing and it's interesting that the show isn't really getting into that stuff I'm not saying that they should but that makes me think, are we overthinking this? Probably. We're overthinking everything, probably. But but do you think that like on some level he would be thinking that stuff? I mean, I I would. I I don't know how you couldn't. Yeah. I mean, I would think it's so funny. I'm not I don't think of myself as very old in in two senses. One, in the sense of like, I feel very young, but I I now feel like I'm probably gonna feel that way for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But also just objectively, like, how old people get. Yeah. I go, like, okay, I'm still in the first half. Yeah, yeah. But it is strange. I'm old enough now to already be able to look back and notice some things that have changed. Mm -hmm. And I used to think, like, yeah, no regrets. Why would anyone have regrets? Mm -hmm. Oh, now I'm like, yeah, of course you would have regrets. Yeah. Nothing huge, I mm-hmm. don't think. Like, not like, I wasted my life. Right. Not that. And I think if you're looking at regrets as, would you rather be someplace other than where you are right now? It's maybe a great thing to be able to say, you know what, however I arrived here, I'm fine. Yeah. That's good. But who wouldn't look back and go, I could have done better? Or even if it's a knowing what I know now, and maybe you couldn't have known then what you know now. But yeah. How could you stop yourself from thinking those things when you're staring down what you think is the end of your life? Right. I don't know how you couldn't yeah. have those thoughts cross your mind. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, you must have to be able to reframe things and go, well, you know what? My wife loves me and she's here for me and I am grateful for that now in this moment. Right. I could have been a better husband, but apparently I was good enough because here she is. Yeah. And boy, wasn't I lucky. Yeah. And I have four children who I think are good people and I love them and I did something meaningful with my life. Like I think you just have to decide in a way. Here's how I'm going to look at it. Yeah. Because everyone could do better. Yes. I mean... This is weird, but like this episode, I guess, is making me think of my dad. And something I've thought about before is like my dad's reason for getting cancer was entirely his fault. A lot of people, that's not true. You know, a lot of people, it's just like random or whatever. Like, from smoking? From smoking. Yeah. He had, he had cancer of the larynx because he smoked like three packs of unfiltered cigarettes a day or something insane. I mean, he was only 46, I think, when he had cancer, which lets you know how much he was smoking, Um, which is only five years older than I am now. I mean, it's really wild to, like, think about this stuff. Anyway, I've never really stopped to think about this before, but now that we're talking this way, I can't help but think, like, if it were me, if I had done something that, like, adversely affected my health that way, I would 
probably my first instinct would be to beat myself up, but you can't do that forever. You just can't like, <laughs> that's just, you know, you just have to like make peace, you know? And like Zeke to some degree, this isn't his fault, but to some degree, I think maybe it is. Cause he wasn't always very good at following doctors off like orders and stuff. Like he sort of rolled his eyes when Camille would be like, take your pills or, you know, he would eat the food that he's not supposed to eat. And I'm not saying he deserves this. And I, I'm not saying my dad deserved what he had either, but it is interesting because some stuff in this life is like random and some stuff is like cause and effect. And yeah. I wonder if he's having those thoughts. Like, why did I act like my wife was a nag when she was like, you've got pills to take, you know, like, like, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's wild. I can't imagine all the things that would run through our minds facing what he's facing. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's close out another little storyline that mm, yeah. Hank and Drew had a third scene. And yeah. that was great, too, I thought. <laughs> I'm almost forgetting that I ever didn't like Hank. Hey, Joel. He's, like, not even married. He's the perfect husband. Right? He brings coffee. He knows the medical jargon. He's, I mean, he's in pretty good shape. He doesn't even eat well. I saw him at the candy thing. He... He's getting Twizzlers, so it's not like he's a health guy. And, and I don't, you know, I don't even hate him for it. He's a good guy. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. I'm ranting. I do that. I just rant when I get nervous. I just, uh, it's fine. Okay. I, I'm, I'm just a little, not that I'm nervous. I'm just, I'm just, I just, I, I want to be there for your mom. I don't want to be a, one of the losers. and. I, I'm sorry. Look, this is not your problem. Why am I even talking? Just tell me to shut up. You can look. I, I know I'm an adult, but you can just smack me or punch me yeah. in the neck. Anything I'm, you want to do, kick me in the slats. Okay. I'm really sorry about that saying thing about the losers. Yeah, I don't mean that. I'm serious. I was just stressed and really upset about everything. And I appreciate it. Thanks. You know, I I really like you a lot. Probably. Favorite guy that my mom's brought around. <laughs> I'm your favorite. I guess I'm your favorite loser of, of all those. Yeah, guys. you're yeah. my favorite loser. That's, I'll take that. You know I what? didn't want to say. I'll it. take that That's with that, with Joel standing there. I'll I'll take that. Thanks for driving me. Really, you didn't have to do that. Thanks for just being around. Oh. Yeah, yeah, Drew. Yeah. I'll have you know, I had to look up slats, kick me in the slats, which is I, apparently slang for ribs or oh, buttocks. I thought he said, kick me in the slacks, <laughs> like kick me in the pants. <laughs> like, oh, I did notice the second time I watched it, I watched it with subtitles and the subtitles said slacks. But I think he said slats. That makes more sense. Um, Although now that I don't yeah. understand... Urban Dictionary was the place, I think, that said it was ribs or buttocks. Ribs makes sense for slats. Yeah. It's like, well, it's kind of slats of bones. But doesn't really. No, it doesn't. So I'm going to choose to go with ribs. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, maybe he did say slacks, though, um, and he just got the expression wrong, like when he thought it was tomato in the room. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. But, I, yeah, I just believed the subtitles, like, like when the subtitles told me the lifeguard in season one said, he'll probably be fine <laughs> instead of Jabbar will be fine. 
Do you remember that? Hulu had the wrong subtitles. It was, it doesn't matter. It was just um, when when Crosby was going to go make out with that woman while their kids were in the pool. And um, the lifeguard that she's hired (laughs) assures him Jabbar will be fine. But my subtitle said, he'll probably be fine. (laughs) And then he leaves. He probably won't drown. Exactly. And so those subtitles really framed how I saw his choice to go make out with that woman. (laughs) You're basing all this on a probably. But anyway, so sometimes it matters more than other times what exactly someone says. Yeah. Just that Hank was so endearing here. I mean, for him to confide these insecurities to Drew, of all people, was really heartwarming. Yeah. And also to see what kind of stuff he noticed and held on to, like Drew calling his mom's boyfriends losers. Yeah. I just, I felt like that really showed how hard Hank is trying to be the best he can be and how much it matters to him. Yeah. And like, it's just impossible not to root for someone trying to do their best. And I also thought how nice of Drew to throw him a bone. Yeah, it was. (laughs) It was. And in a moment when, like you said earlier, like it isn't about Hank. And I I don't think that's really what he was doing. But Drew could have very been very justified in being like, this is not my problem right now to make Hank feel better about this. Right. But it was very kind of him to do that. Yes. Very well put. This is not the point, but I was wondering, were Sarah's boyfriends losers? Like, I wondered how many of these boyfriends were, like, before the show started, you know? And I was like, I wonder how long yeah, Seth's been out of the picture. we didn't see a lot of losers. Yeah, I was like, Mark was certainly not a loser, even though Drew had a hard time connecting with him. Carl was a doctor. I mean, I don't know. He could have been. A, and did Drew even know that that guy existed? Yeah. Um, I hated Jim Gordon. Maybe was maybe Drew. Yeah, Jim might have been a loser. And even Gordon, who's probably the worst guy she dated, depending on how you're defining loser, not a loser. Yeah, yeah. And so it it did make me wonder, like, does that is that just code? I mean, it was amazing how he saved that girl. It was amazing <laughs> how he saved that girl. <laughs> I like that we're getting callbacks this last season. <laughs> but then I just wonder. Is that just shorthand for Drew being like, I don't like these people. You know, I didn't I didn't like any of them. And in that sense, maybe he is even calling Mark a loser, you know, like like just yeah. he was this young guy. Why, what was she doing with him? I, I don't know. But I realize that's not the point. But I, I did think it was interesting that he just sort of was dismissive of, of everyone. Another small note. I mean, it was so funny, of course, when. Hank was talking about how Joel's in good shape and he do- doesn't even eat that well, you know, like, et cetera. But th- then I thought he was probably getting Twizzlers for Julia, right? And that's like a nice little note because Julia's all stressed favorite. out and it's her favorite. Yeah. yeah. If Chris could Although send I believe box, that's her study snack. That's true. Studying? No. But yeah, I did wonder that. Maybe she's studying up on cardiomyopathy or whatever that <laughs> yeah. was. Which I should mention, I also loved when Adam was looking up stuff about that. And Christina just swooped in and goes, let's turn that off. Yes. I thought it was another nice little touch of like, these people know each other. Yeah. And she is taking care of him because she knows what he'll do if he just keeps reading. Now that we're talking about that, I loved that moment. That was one of my favorite Adam Christina moments maybe ever. It, the, the little conversation they had before the clip we played um, where he just thanks her. And she's like, for what? You know, and, and I mean, it was just so sincere. And yeah. I think it made perfect sense that he would be feeling thankful for her in that moment. And 
it was really sweet and reminded Maybe me he's that trying to avoid some of those regrets. Yeah, absolutely. Later on. Yeah. Let me tell you, I appreciate you while you're here and we're yeah. happy together. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm so hard on him and Christina sometimes. And so it's nice to have a scene too, that reminds me like, Oh, there are, there are moments where I love both of you and I love what you have together and how you treat each other. It's really special. Yeah. Well, as we mentioned before, there's a cliffhanger in this episode. Yep. And it arrives courtesy of one Hank Rizzoli. <laughs> you got to be so tired. You should I'm go. Good. No, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I want to, you know, there's Joel's here, here. Joel's staying. So don't Joel's stay, doing the right Joel's thing. Stay. Well, he's doing the right thing. He's, he's, uh, I, 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 I kind of like Joel. Not, I mean, All the right. good Joel, not the bad Joel. I understand. Yeah. All this, right. Well, but I'll then, see you I, Just for a second, I want to just tell you what I was thinking, because I know there's a lot going on in there. And, and, and I saw your father, and I don't, it sucks me to think about things, you know? I got a lot of things I'm thinking about life and, and yeah. time. I know. And, and, and you know, it's doing. Being in this whole place, in this hospital, it's like, not makes you. Being afraid, though, of doing anything. And yeah. Doing the, the right thing and I doing what's, like what's good for yourself. And I agree. Not being afraid. And, 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 and look, we. That's why we should probably we should be get married, vegetarians. We should get married. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Hank. I, I love you. And, and, and I want to marry you. And I want to. I don't want to be half in. Not now and not ever. I just want to. Uh... I want to be all in. You know, you know. I'm just so um, surprised. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know why. I, I, I can always say things in weird times, but <laughs> you don't have to. You want to bring him the cookies? We don't. We don't have to. No, I just. I mean, if it's a no, then uh, you know. Is it a no? Let's, let's talk later. All right. We'll talk about it then. At a better time. Yes. Thank you. That would be great. Yeah? yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Closed. <laughs> oh, congratulations! Yeah. yeah, well, thank you. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about it. It's like a maybe. Oh. But uh, thank you. Well. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. You're doing a good job, by the way. <laughs> what did you think? I thought it was awfully sweet. Yeah. And it felt very purely motivated. Even though he had been insecure around the in-laws all night, it didn't feel like this was his way of competing with them or scoring points. No. I think what he said rang very true to me. Like, mm -hmm. it, it just made him prioritize things, and I bought it. And yeah. I thought, yeah, it would make you think, how much time do we have, and what is really important to you, and how committed are you? And Yeah. I was also amazed at seeing a proposal that didn't get a yes, but didn't get a no, 
and yet still didn't feel like a letdown to me. Mm-hmm. I thought Sarah's reaction was totally reasonable. And I felt like I could see her appreciate that Hank read her reaction accurately, that he didn't start pouting about like, whoa, you're not going to tell me yes or yeah. no. But that he really understood, yeah, now is not the best time to talk about it. Yeah. And I will let you have time and we will talk about it at a better time. Yeah. And I'm not going to pout about it until then. I'm going to see it as like, hey, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Great. He felt good about it. He told the, the nurse, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When it was done, I was like, I'm actually kind of hopeful that she says yes. Yeah. <laughs> After I would all feel this. really bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Out of pity, she should do it. <laughs> <laughs> She's had worse or whatever they say. And... <laughs> Those will be her vows. <laughs> yeah. I've had Dear worse. Hank. <laughs> I could do a lot worse. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> I've dated a lot of losers. So just ask Drew. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm i very torn. Not about the way he did it. I, I did agree with you that that was sweet. And I'm kind of serious about how I thought he made the day about him. <laughs> but, but I don't. 100% even think of that as like a bad thing. It's just something I noticed, you know, and and I mostly do think it was sweet, even though I think an argument could be made that this is not the time to propose when she's going through like a million things. But ultimately, no, I, I really did find it quite endearing and sweet. And I like what you said about it was cool that he was able to read her reaction. I agree with you. That was totally reasonable that she had that reaction. So that's that's I'm of two minds and that's one of them. The other one, is it a bad sign if someone asks you to marry them and you do need time to think about it? Like, or is it just, it was such a surprise because, you know, they haven't necessarily been together that long and the circumstances and it was obviously a spontaneous proposal. So it makes sense that she would need time. And then I compare it to the last spontaneous proposal that we've seen, which was Ryan and Amber. And maybe she's just a little wary of spontaneous proposals, right? Because she asks Amber, like, was it planned, you know, and and how did he do it? And so maybe it's a sign that Sarah's just very practical and, you know, because Amber said yes right away. And that wasn't a good thing, you know. (laughs) So maybe it's not a bad thing that Sarah needs some time. Those were all the thoughts I had. It's a good point. You know, I'm not sure how much of a surprise it should have been. Yeah. Because didn't they really kind of get back together right after Amber conceived this baby? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's nine months almost. They've been together almost nine months. Mm -hmm. And that's just this time. Yeah. I mean, it's they weren't starting from scratch. As Sarah said, it wouldn't be a small thing. Yeah. They've been serious the whole time. Yeah. Very serious. And she's been getting enmeshed into his family. Mm-hmm. Throughout this day, he's been trying to <laughs> enmesh into hers. So I buy that it would be surprising, but not out of left field, I wouldn't think. So then I kind of think if it was to her, then I think maybe she needs to examine how serious she was. Mm-hmm. Maybe she wasn't all that invested. But you do raise a good point, like, because I, I, I also think, yeah, of course, like, she doesn't know her dad is going to survive. Right, I mean, I, right. I, at this point, I think she does know he's not going to die today. Yeah. But she might also be thinking, that's not what today is about. Yeah, yeah. In the way that Hank is failing to mm-hmm. realize. Yeah. But shouldn't it be kind of a no-brainer if 
you're really feeling like that's the right, that's where this is inevitably leading. Yeah. And wouldn't you even say like, you know, I don't want to go in there and tell everyone we just did this. Let's talk about it. But of course, that's... I think that's the right path for us. Yeah. I think that's kind of what I was thinking. Like she would say yes, if she was totally sure about him, but let's not make today about that. We'll tell everyone later. I mean, I don't know. I don't mean to make it sound like it's bad to take time to think about things or be practical, but I just feel like this whole relationship, at least since they got back together, has been framed that way. You know, like the first iteration of the relationship in season four, I still stand by it, was framed in a very toxic way, you know, with her having a a different relationship and him just sort of going after what he wanted. And then while I've really loved the season six version, it's been much, much healthier. I mean, you just add up all these little moments, like Adam telling her you could do a lot worse. And she's like, I have, you know, and her not waking Hank in this episode when she goes to the hospital or even thinking to leave him a note. Her not saying yes right away. Her like asking him why he's not leaving and going home. It's just all these little moments that even though I'm rooting for him and I really am liking him this season, I'm just like, we're supposed to just be over the moon. Like, oh, finally, after all this time, Sarah found. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I get practical and I'm not someone who's super mega romantic. Um, I, I think practical and steady and dependable is like really important. But I also... I don't know. I it just kind of bums me out that her immediate response is, "Oh, Hank." You know, like she says it like that, like like <laughs> almost like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> like and I'm like, "Oh, okay. I don't know what to do with that." Well, you've rained on my parade. I'm so sorry. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, good. But I mean, it was it was very sweet still and you know, maybe the show is just going to great lengths to show us how different this is from like Seth, you know, and and like she is just being so cautious. And maybe maybe that is a happy thing for Sarah to not just go with her emotions all the time. And, and you know, maybe oh, that's a great. Yeah. Spin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or maybe show us. Didn't yeah. Mark propose to her in the season three finale? Yeah. And did she say yes? We don't right away, we or? don't know because it they were engaged by the time we came back the next season. And so we didn't hear the answer. So we didn't hear the answer. We don't know if she said, let me take some time to think about it. And she took a week, you know, or maybe she just said yes right there. We actually don't know that. But yeah, maybe maybe she did. Yeah, maybe she's just a little gun shy. Yeah, which would make sense. And, you know, like I said, Amber said yes right away to, to Ryan. She had no doubts. And that didn't mean it was a good relationship or a right one. It didn't at all. <laughs> so maybe the show is just showing us something else, you know, like this rational, practical love where you take time to think about it, you know. Yeah. And, you know, no spoilers. I do remember whether or not they get married. <laughs> me but too. I don't remember what happens after this episode. Yeah, me neither. Man, Sarah has a lot going on at this hospital. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, her dad, Hank. And then my second cry of the episode was the beautiful round table of moms, braver moms. (laughs) Braver moms. (laughs) At the baby shower for Amber. I loved it. And, you know, this this is controversial. Maybe there are times that I balk at the idea of motherhood being some like secretive club or like (laughs) especially delivering a child. as like the most terrific achievement imaginable. I'm like. You know, your body's going to squeeze that thing out of there, whether <laughs> you want to want it to or not. It's not like, wow, 
you're a warrior. It's like, well, sure. That's how every baby ever is born. (laughs) Yeah. It's terrible. Anyway, but (laughs) it does feel like a singular experience that I assume you, you can't accurately imagine. Yeah. And neither of us knows what that's like. Right. Yeah. So to be seated with mothers in your own family, women who've all been through it and received their support and wisdom and love, I think would mean a whole hell of a lot. Yes. Yeah. On a just comical note, I really thought it was funny when Camille's like, oh, your shower's tonight. And they're like, oh, we'll just cancel it. You know, and and Sarah's like, it was mostly just us anyway. And I was like, of course it is. Amber doesn't have any (laughs) friends. Like, none of you do. And so... Kelsey's not coming. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought it just, like, really uh, transitioned well to there because I'm like, yeah, this is all it was going to be anyway. I might as well have it there. Um, that's just a very small thing. But no, mostly I, I loved it. And I thought... And Marlies. And Marlies. <laughs> Marsh, I love it. I, I love it. Um, I gotta say, too, sometimes... Raquel. I don't... <laughs> She's a mom. Yeah, she is a mom. Yeah, she she would just give her like a prayer stone and <laughs> be a whole thing. <laughs> Anyway, I really, something I appreciate about this show, it's not always realistic, obviously, like Christina running for mayor and opening a school and the luncheonette, like, you know, lots of <laughs> examples of it not being realistic. Santa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Googie the- Gress reincarnated <laughs> four times. <laughs> but there are all these little times that I think, oh, this is much more realistic than what another show would have done. One quick example is prom. Way back in, what, season two, the Amber and Hattie going to prom. Oh, prom! Prom! prom yes. I hate that word. <laughs> call back, call back. <laughs> um, but, you know, it wasn't, like, at a, like, fancy hotel or something. It, you know, it looked like kids had decorated it. It was very pretty, like, they, you know, but it was it was such a, like, real-seeming prom. It didn't have, like some band playing that was really a famous band or, you know, whatever. It was like a DJ or just music. Yeah, it was great. I felt the same way about this little impromptu shower. It really seemed like a shower that they could just throw together while they're at the hospital anyway. And what made it special wasn't like them transforming the hospital cafeteria into some beautiful event space. But just like you said, these moms sitting around the table sharing advice and it being really sincere and beautiful. I'm like, that's all you need. And I just really loved that the show didn't make it unrealistic. Like it was very believable that they would just still do something special for Amber on this day. Now that they know that Zeke is not an immediate, you know, danger. I just thought that's beautiful. Really like that. Now, Am I correct in thinking that when Christina told Amber she was going to be the best mom in the world because she's the best kid in the world? Did you hear her say that? I did, but I didn't really analyze it until... Oh, I was just going to say, did you think about her calling her a bitch? (laughs) No, but now I am. Oh, no, she called her a whore. Sarah called her a bitch. That's right. God, it's so mean. It's terrible. And at one point, Christina was going to call her something that maybe was bitch, and she stopped herself. So, yeah. What a little... Yeah. Mm, was I, it that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, but, you know, who is knocked up? So the blocker <laughs> was kind of right. <laughs> oh, no. It's terrible. Although I guess it's with her fiance. It's not like yeah. she doesn't know who it is. That's right. It's not exactly whorish behavior. No. It was in the sanctity of a hospital bed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But it is interesting that she would say that because, you know, obviously she thinks the best kids in the world are her kids. But. 
I, you know, I just went with it. It was sweet. She loves, she loves her. They've come a long way, those two. They've had some really nice moments since season one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's good. But of all the things that um, all the moms told her, my favorite was Camille. Um, just the, and it was so great because it really resonated with, you know, what was going on with Zeke and everything. And it just felt perfect. I don't know. I, and I thought, oh, this no longer feels sort of random. Like, not, not that it felt random, but you could make the argument that it's random to just have the shower be in the same episode. But like, very circle of life, right? Like, you know, very one life is ending possibly yeah one life is coming into the world and just yeah really kind of beautiful now sarah in that scene refers to the baby as a he yeah is that was she just like this guy was it was it a generic like term for the baby or do you think it was meant to indicate that they know the sex of the baby or what that's a great question and i'm not sure because I wasn't sure either. I really like I've they haven't said yet, right? They I mean, haven't. I, I'm not forgetting. Okay. No, they haven't. And like I could go on a big long tangent about how in the last few years I've tried to stop saying guys to my students and just say like, hey, everyone, even though it's very Midwestern of me, like me personally, I think of guys as being gender neutral, but I don't think of guy singular as being gender neutral. Yeah. So anyway, for whatever that's worth, um, it's it's an interesting thing. But it does seem like something Amber would do, even if she didn't know the sex of her baby, like this guy. You know, like it's it does seem like sort of. Right. So I I could believe that. Like when she called Drew rude kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just seems like maybe that would be how she would do. And quick side note, because this has nothing to do with the gender of the baby, but I really thought it was precious when Amber first showed up to the hospital and Sarah was like, "How's baby?" Like, just not how's the baby, just how's baby. (laughs) So anyway, but it is nice how um, supportive everyone's being. It's very cool. I mean, Amber is young and unmarried. I think it's cool that the show, once it got past, you know, like Sarah having a hard time wrapping her head around it and just worrying that Amber's life was going to be harder. And then, of course, Drew kind of doing the same thing, like worrying about money and stuff. But it just seems like everyone's like, worried slash happy for her doesn't feel like anyone has judged her and and maybe that's just a sign of the times maybe maybe people don't get judged anymore if they get pregnant in their early 20s and they're not married you know maybe people are like yeah that just you know whatever but it was still lovely that you know i mean nobody's making her feel bad everyone's giving her a shower like everyone's giving her advice and telling her how she'll how good she'll be it's how it should be it's really nice yeah yeah And I liked, you know, like you said, Camille's advice was your favorite. I think it was so powerful because it meant something coming from her specifically. Yeah. And I feel like they did tailor the advice pretty well to each mom. Yeah. Julia saying, don't lose track of yourself. Yeah. I thought Julia would say that because her sense of self is so important to her. And I think especially within the last year, Mm -hmm. she has learned what kind of a mother she is when she's not tending to or not honoring her sense of self and it's bad. Christina's felt more generic at first, but when I think about embracing the curveballs, you know, having a child with autism and getting cancer out of nowhere and, Oh, I'm pregnant again. Wasn't planning on being, I thought she has had a lot of curveballs. Yeah. Jasmine's then feels like the most generic, although I really liked it. You know, don't be too proud to ask for help that we're all here for you. 
I guess it kind of plays into, you know, she kept trying to sort of like get through to Crosby that she was there to help him. Yeah. Maybe Jasmine is just has a servant heart. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's true. I liked what everybody said, but yeah. Jasmine's does kind of feel the most generic, but that is not surprising. Um, (laughs) Because they've defined her character the least. Yes. Yeah. I wonder what Sarah was going to say. Yeah. I felt like she couldn't read the letter. So she just said, I'll always have your back, which, you know, made me cry because like, what more do you need? (laughs) Yeah. Also the delivery of it. Like, because honestly, I think that line on its own might not mean much to me because like when I'm teaching creative writing, I specifically tell students, like, don't say things like, I, she always had my back. Like, say what that means. But I think in this case, number one, we know what that means because we've seen the show for six years and we we have seen yeah. her always have her back. For 100 episodes. For 100 episodes. But we've also, like, the way that she, like, closes the book is like, there's no way I'm going to get through this. <laughs> and, <laughs> I can't say what this means. Yes. And so... Just, so I have to fall back on the cliche. Yeah, let me just sum it up. And like with tears and, you know, I loved it because of those things. Like I think she really made that line, which could have felt wrote, really special. One quibble I had with the baby shower, the sound mixing. Yeah, it was hard to hear them at times. Yeah, they were mixed. The dialogue was so low in comparison to the song that was playing. Yeah. And the song was lovely. But I was like, are you trying to fade out from the dialogue and then fade back in? I think And then maybe. when I watched it again, I'm like, it just seemed like the levels of those two things were too close to one another. And so I couldn't quite hear it. That's why I'm not playing any of it. Yeah, I know. Here I, because I'm like, well, I'm not sure you could really hear it. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. I And I was thinking maybe we were just supposed to hear snippets. It makes me wonder how often like they were imagining people not streaming this later with subtitles and like really analyzing it. And maybe they thought, oh, you'll catch some of it. You won't catch some of it. And it'll be sort of a nice montage or something. But because we had subtitles, we knew what they were saying, but it was like kind of hard to hear it. So yeah, it was, it was kind of strange. Yeah. You know, I have to, I have to say, I think as a 100th episode, yeah, it was a really good one Mm -hmm. because it didn't feel like they were making a big to do like, oh, then the Bravermans go to SeaWorld. You know, it wasn't, wasn't that. It was kind of like any other episode. Yeah. I mean, it felt very special because it all took place at the hospital and because it was dealing with mortality and because we know it's so close to the end. But beyond that, it didn't feel like they compromised anything about this episode because it was the 100th. No. I appreciated that. Yeah, I did too. And I thought the choice of, like, who not to be in the episode made a lot of sense. Like, the younger kids. Like, this episode would have been unacceptable if any of the siblings or or even their spouses, like, had not been in it. It, Yeah. It would not have been okay. (laughs) And so I think... That made it special, too. Just we didn't have to have any awkward conversations about, like, people being in Napa or whatever. You know, it was just everyone yeah. together and the kids are at school or the kids are wherever. Well, yeah. And the only kids they explained where they were are the grandkids. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They didn't mention where Jabbar and Aida were. I think we can maybe assume that Renee swooped in. Yeah, yeah. No mention of where Max and Nora are. And that I do kind of wonder who's watching them. Yeah. Not Christina's mom. No. <laughs> or Roy. <laughs> was it a school day? Did did 
Joel say that I dropped them off with like the Heathmans or somebody? And then yeah. then did he say? And then they're taking him. They'll to get school. them to school. So yeah. So I guess Max is at school and Jabbar's at school. But yeah, where are the really little ones? I guess I guess into the gonna... evening. Yeah, that's true too. Who picks them up? Okay, yeah. Maybe Max is at the Joneses. Maybe they're friends now. Maybe they're friends. Thank uh, you for harassing our daughter. Would you like to spend the night? <laughs> We've forgiven you completely. <laughs> yeah. You're Bravermans after all, and you're the heroes. <laughs> right. I felt like husbands and wives mm, Yeah. was the theme. I, I just felt like the show presented us with so many, you know, we contrasted Jasmine and Crosby and Adam and Christina. The nature of Joel and Julia's relationship was very much... A jump ball, you might say. Yeah, yeah. In this, but I think the significance of it was front and center. Yes. What would it mean for him to be your husband again, and why would you want that? Well, because who else can you lean on in this moment like this? Yeah. Hank wanting to be that for Sarah, and then that leading him to say, well, if I'm going to be that, then I should be your husband. Yeah. Made a lot of sense. And then Zeke and Camille saying, you know, this, we're going to make this decision just us. Yeah. Which I loved, by the way. I thought that was... I did too. Yeah. And I can't even really say why. I, I can't either. Just that some things are for adults. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, even when your kids are adults, it's like, well, we're the parents and you are our children and we're going to make the decisions. Also, sometimes I think people can get too many opinions up in there, you know? And I, I like the idea of not asking everyone to weigh in and just the two of them making this decision together. Yeah, really beautiful. Yeah. The only other thought I had about an overall theme was maybe the question of how do you want to spend your time? Yeah. For Zeke, it's a matter of your time on Earth or how much time you have left Mm -hmm. for Hank and Sarah. Well, mostly Hank, I think, in this episode. I feel like maybe he was contemplating, do I want to do it just living with this woman and dating her, or do I want to really have our lives be one? Yeah. Same with Joel and Julia. And then the issues around the luncheonette. Like, I don't think Adam wants to spend his time scraping and clawing to make that business work. And I think Crosby does. Yeah, yeah. And that's hard. That's hard. They can't really, I mean, maybe they could find a way, but it doesn't seem like something they could compromise on, you know, like, yeah, they, they, gotta, they want different things. Yeah. I enjoyed the episode a lot. It I was, did too. it was a nice return. Like you said, from all the absences, if it meant that they could all be in this one, it's like, okay, maybe then it was worth it. Cause it's so great to have them all together, even if for such a terrible reason. Yeah. But it, um, they handled it really well. I mean, it was a special episode, but it didn't feel corny like a very special episode. You know, it yeah, it just it hit the right notes. And it just seemed like a hard time in this family's life and the ways that they kind of rallied around each other. And it was beautiful. Yeah. 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 I really loved it, it especially. Yeah. 100th. It was it was beautiful. They did a wonderful job with it. Listeners, we hope you think we did a beautiful job with our 102nd episode. <laughs> That's right. And our 100th two episodes ago, which we didn't <laughs> did with zero fanfare. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. But that does feel like no small thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I know we just keep talking about it, but it's the last season and it's coming to an end. And this is our second to last one, just us, you know, and it just... I don't know. I keep being shocked at how few are left. Like, you know, now there will only be three. And I'm like, 
we're just gonna do this three more times are you kidding me that's insane this must be how zeke feels oh god We're staring at the end <laughs> oh, no. of our life as podcasters do you think that that was the whole point all along was they were like someday these two people are going to do a podcast and we want to do an episode that really speaks to them about their end <laughs> and so you know i do think that yes is they that is it exactly yeah that was the theme, really, was us. <laughs> <laughs> now this is how Hank feels. <laughs> Perfect. Yep, that's right. Well, this was a delight as always. Yeah. Was, we talked about heavy stuff, but I like talking about heavy stuff with you. So. Me too. Yeah. No. We will be back with some returning guests next week. That's right. That's right. And the week after. Who will it be? Nobody knows. <laughs> well, you, you. Actually, we know. We but. know. Yeah. You losers don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. You all dated Sarah. You all dated Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well. You're not losers. You are our cherished. Yes. Listeners. Yeah. We appreciate you very, very much. And, you know, I haven't said this in a while, but if you ever feel like reaching out to us, send us an email, write us a a rating or review on on Apple Podcasts. That means a lot when that happens. Um, Just let us let us know that you've enjoyed your time with us. So, yeah. Leave a comment. It doesn't even have to be about you enjoying your time with us. We got one recently where someone's like, you're so hard on Julia. I was like, you know what? Fair. (laughs) We are. We are. I think I maybe missed that one. That's fun. Where should I go find that? I forget where. It was gently critical. Gently critical. It I'll wasn't it. nasty. Okay. Please, please refrain from nastiness. Yeah, we don't. You don't want have that. to agree with us. No. It's interesting to know why you see things differently than we do. Yeah. We all got our blind spots. Yeah. And you know, and you and I especially, we end up agreeing with each other so much of the time. That's true. <laughs> sometimes I think like, wow, this Venn diagram is just a circle. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, we're not often always, just, but often. Yeah. Even if we disagree, one of us will often be like, "Well, you're so right." <laughs> <laughs> we're so so polite. <laughs> yeah, very polite. I use this though as an example to my students when they're like. Well, I couldn't speak up during the discussion because I just agreed with what everyone else was saying. And I'm like, let me tell you, you could turn that into two hours. <laughs> <laughs> As we have demonstrated here today. That's and right. Many times before. Many times before. But yes, uh, thank you again, everybody who's listening. We do appreciate you very much. And please stick with us for the next three episodes. That's right. That's right. It'd be real weird of you to drop off now. You just invested all this time and then you're like, nope. Bridge too far. I'm out. Yeah. Well, we hope we see you next time. Well, we're not going to see anyone. (laughs) Well, we hope you're with us next time. That's right. And until then, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true.